we are continuing looking through Jesus' model of prayer and how he taught us to pray. And so today we will be primarily uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Um, I'll tell you, it's been, a, it's been a joy and a challenge, maybe a challenge and a joy. Um, generally, the joy comes after getting through the challenge of just preaching one verse um, and just trying. But, but that's, that's, man, that's one of the incredible things about Scripture is that it's just so rich and so deep that we could probably preach one verse for the rest of our time here and still not hit the depths of all that's in it, or at least, at least not live it out perfectly, right? Um, and so we're going to be there. Uh, but before we get there, I just want to um, give you guys a quick update from last week. Um, last week, one of the points we talked about in our message was, was how we can be generous um, as we look at, at not just what God's doing here in our little community, but really around the world. And um, I was able to share with you guys that uh, there's a, a mission organization called WALK uh, Missions, and they have a trip planned to South Africa that they're going this fall, um, and that we are supporting them. And I said last year, uh, last week, that uh, we had the opportunity to just be generous. And so we were able to send them a check last week um, to help out. And I got a text uh, from my buddy who is who's the one that kind of started that organization. Um, and he was telling me that as of last night, he got uh, another check in the mail and he's completely funded to go to South Africa. And so he was just, he was so stoked and so excited that um, now he's going to be able to go and to not just go and to minister to people there in South Africa, but he's going to be able to take the stories of what God is doing in South Africa and actually literally be able to spread them across the world through the avenue of social media and video um, which is which is really how God has gifted him, and so uh, he just wanted me to make sure that you guys know that that our little church was a huge part in him being able to to go and to to make that trip happen. And so um, after he gets back from that trip, no doubt we'll uh, we'll get some of the videos um, of how that trip went, and just to know that we were a part of that, um, it was super exciting. So I wanted to share that with you this morning, um, mostly before I forgot because I I tend to do that. Um, and so, uh, so, so this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter six, uh, verse twelve, and and I want to just kind of start out with a with a little bit of a warning this morning. Um, the message we're going to talk about today is one of those that sounds a lot easier than it is to actually live out. Um, I think probably for all of us, um, we can say, yes, forgiveness is something that we should do. Actually, forgiving that person that has wronged you. Actually being moved with the compassion and love of God and seeing how God has mercifully forgiven us and then allowing that to be an agent of that forgiveness uh, is a different thing. Uh, as with most things in, in the Christian walk, living it out is really the hardest part of it, is really the challenge of it all. Um, and the same way it is with us today, I think the idea of forgiveness sounds very warm and very lovely to us to say, and we would all like to say that we are forgiving people, but uh, in fact, I think it's it's even one of those like, you know, it sounds very like proverb esque and bumper sticker esque, right? Of 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 forgiving and just being a forgiving person, but where the rubber meets the road, the practical part of that is really hard because forgiveness a lot of times stirs up emotions, it stirs up some deep hurts and things in our life, um, and so I just want to kind of start us out there in that mindset that. Forgiveness is a challenge. Forgiveness is not going to be easy. In fact, I think C.S. Lewis um, said it really well when he said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a beautiful thing until he has to do it. Mm 
And I think, man, there's so much truth in that. Because I sit here and I think about people that have wronged me in my life. Um, and I've not had any probably major, uh, you know, incidences where people have wronged me in a, in, a, in a huge way. But even in small ways, man, I think about that. And I'm like, the idea of forgiveness is, is really, really nice. But actually what it takes to move my heart to actually forgiving that person is, is really challenging. And I think Jesus knew that this was going to be hard for the disciples. In fact, um, in his model prayer, and this is the only part that he actually gives us further explanation in. If you look in your Bibles in verses 14 and 15, and we'll get there today, but verses in 14 and 15 is really a further explanation of the statement he makes in verse 12. He, he helps them to understand. He's, he, and I think Jesus knew that forgiveness is not something that just comes naturally in our humanity, in our, in our broken state. And so um, we're going to take some time and we're going to look through that. And I want to kind of start at the beginning. And so we're going to ask three questions today about forgiveness uh, that will hopefully help us get there. And, that, and here's the three questions. One, why do I need forgiveness? At a base level, why do, I, why do I myself need to be forgiven? Two, why do I need to ask God for forgiveness again? For those of us that are Christians, that we've received the forgiveness of God, why do I need to continually ask God to forgive me? Shouldn't I have been able to just say that once and done? Um, but what Jesus says is this, is this is our model prayers that we continue God to ask God to forgive us uh, of, our, of our sins. And then fi- finally, how should God's forgiveness... Uh, require me to then become an agent of forgiveness. Why, 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 when I look at what God has done for me and forget the way He's forgiven me, why should that push me then to forgiving other people? And so I want to start with the context this morning. Um, just a reminder, um, and I think Sam did a great job of this last week of just reminding us that Jesus is very intentional in the model prayer that He gives us, and there's a lot of intentionality to understand where we are in the prayer when we get to this point. And so we've already talked about how God is our heavenly Father, right? Our intimate Father who loves us, but He's but He's overall, and that should lead us to worship. That should lead us to then seeking His kingdom and His will and praying for that. And then last week we talked about how that should then allow us to ask for our daily needs. And I think it's only once we've acknowledged those things that now our hearts are in a position to deal with our own sins and the sins of other people that they do toward us. And I think that's where, where we come into this passage today. And so I want to start out today by asking the question, why do I need forgiveness? Why, why do we need to ask for forgiveness? Why is this where Jesus starts out? And I think this is a, an incredibly relevant question in our culture. Because I, I, I truly believe and I truly see day to day that our culture has moved past the idea of when you wrong, when you do something wrong, that there needs to be a feeling of regret or sorrow or even forgiveness when you do that. Our culture has just really moved in a direction of saying that, you know what, it's, it's so relative that even if I offend and hurt somebody, as long as that's really what's best for me, then it's okay. It's okay. And so I think this question of why do I ask for forgiveness, even on a foundational level, is important. And I think what we see in our world, and, and, and maybe there's, there's more than this, but I, I thought of and, and, and been thinking about four different ways that we as a culture deal with the idea of shame and guilt and, and what do I do when I've wronged somebody. And here's the four. I'm going to give it to you really, really quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's important just to identify. This is how we deal with this idea of guilt and shame in our culture. Uh, one is, is by distraction. 
right? If I can distract my mind from it, then I don't have to deal with it, right? So maybe I'm just going to dive into another Netflix episode or another show and just kind of veg out and not think about the, the problems that I have in, in my life, right? Maybe some people, they turn to, to something else, a, a substance or, or something else that will kind of just help them mellow out and not think about the current issues that they have. Maybe, maybe we just kind of just put it out of our minds. Maybe we just get so busy with our work or our lives that we don't even think about that anymore. And so when I can distract myself, then I don't have to deal with the shame and guilt that we find in our culture. Secondly, I think a lot of us, uh, or people in our culture, I should say, um, they like to use the comparison game, right? Well, well, what I did is really not bad as what that person did, right? And so I can somehow justify my little thing, right? Like, like you guys have probably heard that before. Well, I'm not as bad as that person, right? And that's the amazing thing is, like, we can always think of someone in life that's doing better than us, and we can always think of someone who's doing worse than us. And I think when we think of those people who are doing worse than us, or maybe their sin seems to be bigger, they need more forgiveness in their life, it's easy for me to make what, what, what sin I have in my life very, very small. And so we just focus and we just compare, right? I'm not as bad as him or her. Third way I think we deal with that sometimes in our culture is just by self-hate, right? We just get to such a place and we just wrap our minds so much around the point that we just say that, you know what, I'm worthless. I'm not worth anything, right? We just kind of let it overwhelm us and we just kind of we buy into the lie, right, that, that there can be no forgiveness, and so the way we deal with shame and guilt is just by, by really just internalizing that and, and looking at ourselves and say that, you know what, we're really not worth a whole lot. And we start hating ourselves instead of understanding that, that God offers forgiveness. And God doesn't want us to live in a place of shame and guilt. And then finally, and I think this is a, the, the major area that we're, we're seeing our culture moving and that I, I believe our culture is going to continue to move in the years ahead, is that we just re- redefine what is right and wrong. Right? Like if I can redefine those things that are right and wrong, and if I can base that on myself or how I feel, then I don't have to feel bad about it. Right? Like if I can redefine and I can say that, you know what, if I do something that's that's ill willed or, or mean towards somebody else, but yet it somehow was an advantage to me, then I don't have to feel bad about it anymore. Right? That's just part of life. It's survival of the fittest. It's me just trying to get ahead. And there's probably a dozen other ways that we deal with that, right? But I think those are a lot of the ways that we deal with that idea of forgiveness, right? Or, or, or even that lack of forgiveness in our world and our culture. And so I think it's now important that we understand what is a biblical perspective of forgiveness. When Jesus says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have, as we also have forgiven our debtors, what is he talking about? What does this word forgiveness really, really mean? Well, the word, the word literally in the Greek literally just means to send forth or send away from, from oneself, right? Send something away from oneself. That's literally what it means. In the Greek literature, it, it really referred more to sending an object away or a person away. And then that kind of, as, as time went on, kind of meant to, to release someone from something. And so maybe there was something somebody owed you and you just kind of, eventually you just released them from that. And, it's all, and then, it, then it's moved into really this place of meaning release from punishment, right? Release from punishment. And this is what we understand when we talk about God forgiving us. God puts away our sin and our debt that we owe him because of that sin. And he does that by Jesus going to the cross, right? 
That's how God has forgiven us. It's by putting that away. And so when we say, God, forgive us our sins, right? Forgive us of our, and depending on how your, how your Bible translates that, that next word is, is debt or trespasses or, or sin, right? Forgive us of those wrongs that we have done. Put those away from me, right? And what God does in the beautiful message of the gospel is that he puts them away from us and puts them on his son. And Jesus carried those to the cross, right? That's the, that's the great news of the gospel. In fact, we know uh, many places in Scripture, like in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, where it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we just ask God for forgiveness, He's willing to send those away, take those away from us. So what does this word debt mean, right? Debt, maybe, like I said, maybe you have trespasses, debt. This is really the word for sin, right? And this, this word is actually only used a few times in Scripture. In fact, in Luke's account of this, uh, of Jesus' model prayer, uh, in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 11, verse 4, a lot of times in your Bibles, it'll actually say, forgive us our sins. Same word there. Same word, though. Right? Same word in the Greek. And it's literally the word for debt, or it can mean sin. It means something that we owe. The only other place I think that, that this, this exact term is used is in Romans chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but, uh, but as his due, right? That's, that idea of wages, that, that debt, that's something that you earn, right? And so in the context of what Jesus is saying is he's saying, God, forgive us of what we have earned. What have we earned? Well, we know from the very beginning that God lived in perfect relationship with us, right? Go back to, to page one of the Bible and, and we see that we were in perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father, right? And we flip three pages ahead to chapter three and we see what happens, right? There was a choice to be made. Am I going to trust God or am I going to kind of take, take that, that knowledge for myself, right? And we, we as humanity decided to walk away from our relationship with God, not trust God and trust ourselves, right? We wanted to, to be like God. We wanted to know the things that God knows and, and in turn be like God. And so that broke and fractured our relationship with God. And so we call that sin, right? Choosing ourselves over God sin and that's our debt that we owe it's much like it's much like paul says in romans chapter 3 verse 6 uh i'm sorry chapter 6 verse 23 which is one of those verses that uh, my mom had me memorize as a kid um i have to check myself because she had me memorize it in the in the king james i always want to like quote it back in the king james but romans 6 23 says for the wages of sin is death right what is what is due for us because we have Sin. What, what is what is what is ours? Our, our wages for what we've earned because of our walking away from God is death. But yet God offers us a free gift, which is eternal life through His Son. That's that idea of forgiveness: is that we have His Son. And, and I know sometimes in our culture, like sin, um, sin sometimes seems like a muddy topic for a lot of people. You talk to them about sin, and they're like, ah, "I kind of get it." That's why I like the word debt. Because I think we can all, we all have a clear picture of debt. Even if we're not currently in debt, I think we understand in our culture what debt feels like, right? And for any of us that have ever been in a season of their life that they've been in debt, you know that when you're in debt and you owe somebody, especially if you owe them more than you have the resources of paying them back, you feel the weight of that debt, right? Anybody who's been to college in the last 10 to 
15, 20 years, right, that have, have gotten one of those Sally Mae student loans, right? You know the weight of that debt. And yes, maybe you can defer that for a little while, but eventually you got to pay that debt back, right? I don't know if you guys know, Sally Mae loans are the only thing that you can't actually bankrupt out of. They follow you to the grave. Um, and so just think about that picture, right, of just this debt, this overwhelming uh, debt that you owe, something on top of you that you don't have the resources to pay back. That's, that's literally the picture of, of, of what we did to God. We, because we offended God, because we broke that relationship with God, we couldn't pay back what we owed to him, right? The only way we could pay that back would be with our lives, right? Ultimately, that's what the Bible tells us. The wages of our sin is death, right? That's what we owed, and we couldn't pay them back. And so when we look at praying and, and asking God to forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our debts, that's what we're saying. God, I acknowledge that I have, I have rang up a charge that I can't pay back with anything but my life, right? And so, God, I, I, I fall at your mercy and ask you to forgive me of that. And so that's why we need to ask forgiveness, because we've incurred this debt that we can't pay back, Right? But kind of our second question that, that I feel like really dovetails really well in with this, and I think it's one that we, that we need to, to talk about then, is why then as a believer, as a Christian, why do I need to ask for forgiveness again, right? Just like we said in that, in that verse, the, the wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life, right? If, if we have asked God for forgiveness, why do I need to continue? If he's forgiven me, why do I need to continue to ask him to forgive me, right? As we know, in, in places like Psalm 103, it says that he's forgiven our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. So why do I need to ask for forgiveness? Why would Jesus include this in a prayer that he expected his disciples to, to say on a regular basis? Forgive us of our debts. Right? Why would he continue to do that? And I think, I think what will really help us along is the understanding that God has many roles in our life. There are many positions that, and roles that God plays in our life. So one of those is as a judge, right? That's what we were just talking about. God as judge of right and wrong, sin and grace, right? And, and, and that, in that sense, as he sits on the, uh, as the judgment seat and judges our lives, right? When he judges our lives, there's, 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 uh, there's forgiveness that, that needs to take place. And if it doesn't, then we know that the consequences for that is eternal separation from God in a place called hell, um, right? And so that's one of the roles that God plays, right? We all know that for believers, John three sixteen, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God is judged when you put your faith and trust in Jesus that God will forgive that, right? God offers forgiveness. But judge is not the only role that God plays in our life. As we've just learned uh, in the first couple of verses, he also is our Father, our Heavenly Father. And I think that is really the light in which we need to look at what it looks like for a Christian to continue to ask for forgiveness. We're not continually asking God to forgive us for, towards our salvation, right? When we put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ, like that's taken care of. It is forgiven as far as the East is from the West. God doesn't keep a record of that in that, in that way. But yet, just like, just like in a relationship with a child, right, we're going to continue to sin. We're going to continue to miss the mark. We're going to continue to not live up to God's standards. Even though we pursue that with all we have, we're still going to miss the mark from time to time in our life. And so just like a kid, right, just like your child, if you have a young child or, or if you remember back to when your children were young, right, 
and, and they did something wrong, right? Our kids, our kids sin against us sometimes, right? It's, they, they ring up a debt. They do things they shouldn't do. If this is news to you, please tell me what you're doing because I'm obviously doing something wrong, right? It's very obvious very early on in life that our kids miss the mark that we set for them a lot in their life, right? And so in those situations, right, say, say your, your child did something against you. I have three boys, and my three boys are continually doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Now, a lot of times I will, honestly, I'll sit back and just kind of laugh at it, not in their presence, but I'm just like, what are you guys thinking? Right? What are you guys thinking? This has nothing to do with this, but I just thought about it. Uh, I'm going to share it with the, with the family because I think it's funny. But um, the new thing my boys are into right now is they're trying to trap animals. And so we had a tree fall down in our, in our, in our woods. And so they've created a trap. And their goal right now in life is to catch a raccoon. I don't know what they're going to do if they catch it. But they want to catch a raccoon. Like, they're, they're just really excited. And a lot of times those, those ideas start out in really good ideas. And then they kind of forget that, hey, mommy and daddy have said things like, you know, don't play with knives and other things. You know, but they needed the knife to build the trap to catch the raccoon. And so they kind of move in that way. Um, and so, so what do we do, though? Like, when our, when our children do something to offend us or to, to sin against us that they shouldn't do, as parents, do we just cast them out and say, you are no longer my child? Pack your bags. We're done with you. Now, let's raise our hands. Have we ever had that thought, parents? Yes. Have we ever packed a bag? Maybe. Any further, please don't share with me. I'm a mandated reporter. Um, right? But, but we've all had that thought. But none of us would say, you're no longer my child. Right? But what happens when our child has done something against us that they shouldn't do? What happens in our relationship with them? Is our relationship still good in that moment? Not really. There's a, there's a division, right? There's, a, there's, there, there's something that happens in our relationship. Our communication, our relationship is broken in that moment. And so what, as good parents, what do we expect our child to do? At some point, we expect them to come and ask us, for forgiveness to say I'm sorry not because we want them to understand necessarily that they were wrong all the time and that that they have somehow not hit our standard as parents and we always do it right but when we want them to understand that our relationship is now fractured and the way that we that we bring that relationship back into perfect order is through asking for forgiveness saying that I'm sorry and I think that's the picture here that God is trying to get across to us as his children right our father that's in heaven when we sin, when we miss the mark, it's not that God needs us to beg and wants us to beg for our salvation every single time. But our relationship is, is disrupted. Our communication. And we know that. Like, we know that really practically from our lives, don't we? It's like those times that, that there's sin in our lives, our communication, our intimate time with our Heavenly Father is interrupted. I don't know, I don't believe that we can have a vibrant communication with our father in heaven and yet still be living in a sinful condition i just don't think it happens i think that those two are in, in such uh opposite sides of one another that that it's going to disturb that and so we want we want to restore that relationship that's why we ask for forgiveness from our father so that we can restore that relationship it's like the picture in marriage you know it's 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 how many times in marriage it's not about what was done wrong uh, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's big things. But a lot of times it's just about saying that I'm sorry so that we can get back on the same page together. That's what our Father wants us to do. He wants us to get back on the same page. And here's the incredible thing about God, right? God is not like us, and that's a good thing, right? That's a really good thing. Because when we get offended and when somebody does something wrong to us, we tend to get really spiteful and really petty. And maybe it's just me, 
And I'll take that on if it's just me, but I don't believe it is. Right? But God is not like us. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Like in Numbers 23, where it says that God's not like a man that he should lie. Right? He doesn't change his mind. He's constant. And so when God says that if we ask for forgiveness, that he'll forgive us and restore that relationship, we can believe it. We trust it. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So we need to ask for forgiveness so that we can restore that relationship. And there's a lot of other smaller things that kind of flow out of that. In fact, I didn't come up with this list, but I found a list um, from a guy in my studies, um, a guy named Ray Pritchard. And, and in his list, he lists out 10 different things uh, that happens when we don't have a, when we have an unforgiving spirit. When we have an unforgiving spirit, 10 different things that happen. And I think these are, these are good. Um, and I think these are important to realize that these things can happen. One, our fellowship with the Father is blocked. So that's exactly what we were just talking about. Two, as it says in Ephesians, that we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit doesn't want us to live in, uh, with sin and being unforgiven, right? He wants us to, to be forgiving and to be forgiven. Um, your prayers may not, may not be answered, right? God leaves you alone to face the problems of your life on your own, right? Have you guys ever been that? A time of, of saying, you know what, God, I don't need you. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to come back to you. And, and so for a season, sometimes God allows us to go through things on our own. Um, yeah, those are, those are probably the biggest lessons, learning lessons in life. Uh, number five, the devil can gain a foothold uh, through your bitterness. If we allow that unforgiveness, and, and maybe that's unforgiveness toward others. Um, but if we're not willing to, to forgive or we're not willing to ask God to forgive us for things, then we can allow bitterness to swell up in there. You force God to become your enemy. Um, you can lose the blessing of God in your life. You can waste a lot of time right, nursing a wounded spirit. You can become enslaved to the people you hate. right? If you're not willing to give forgiveness, which is where we're about to head with this, right? that's one of the things that can happen. Or you can become like the people you're not willing to forgive. So as we look at our lives and we think about, man, what God has done for us, how God has mercifully forgiven us, graciously forgiven us, right? We continue to ask for that forgiveness. Here's something that I know is true, is that we're never closer to the grace of Jesus than when we confess our sins to him. There's not a moment in our Christian walk that we become closer to Jesus, we come closer to experiencing the grace that he offers than we're willing to hit our knees and say, God, I'm sorry. I missed the mark. I missed your mark. Please forgive me. And I think it's in those moments, I think it's in those moments that we experience the grace of Jesus, the closest and the richest. So the first two questions have really had a lot to do with our forgiveness. The first part of that, right? Where Jesus says, forgive us our debts, right? Our Father in heaven, forgive us. And I think that's a part of it, right? But then Jesus flips the script with the second part of this verse, right? And he puts it back on us. As if to say, now that you have been forgiven, you also have a requirement that you forgive others that offend you in the same way that you offend your heavenly Father. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's the hardest part of this part of the prayer. 
something easy easier for me a lot of times in my life to admit that I missed the mark, that I missed God's mark. It's pretty obvious. I see it on a regular basis that I'm not perfect. Um, and I miss God's mark. But yet I seem to be a whole lot more critical when someone else has offended me and me wanting to offer them the same forgiveness that God has given to me. I struggle with that. It's hard for me. I don't want to offer forgiveness. And so how does me understanding God's forgiveness then require me to become an agent of forgiveness? So here's what I want us to do. I know I've talked for longer than I normally do. And so we need a little time for discussion. So what I want us to do is we're going we're gonna to jump back to that previous slide um, that talked about some of the results that can happen when we don't offer forgiveness or when we don't ask God for forgiveness. Um, and I want us to just take a couple minutes and just discuss, have you experienced any of this in your life? Uh, either from times in your life that you weren't willing to ask God for forgiveness or maybe even moments when you weren't off, offering to give forgiveness to someone else. Um, and so let's take a couple minutes um, and just kind of talk about those. Have you ever experienced any of those? Have you ever experienced maybe that moment where it felt like you and the Father, like that relationship was blocked? Or maybe you felt like, you know what, I've allowed my, my anger towards somebody to swell up to bitterness, and now I'm allowing the enemy a place in my life. Um, or maybe you're just realizing that, you know, sometimes we start to become like the people that we refuse forgiveness to. Sometimes when we hold on to that. Um, and so let's take, let's take a couple minutes uh, and just kind of discuss that amongst ourselves. So if you guys want to get in groups, um, and, and we'll talk through that for a few minutes. And then we'll address this last part of how do we offer forgiveness. All right, guys, we're going we're gonna to bring it back together. Um, and it's probably one of those things that we can, we can spend a whole lot of time talking about. Um, we probably all have experiences or, or situations where we've uh, experienced some or, or all of this part of uh, either asking God for forgiveness or or not being willing to forgive other people and um, there's a lot of there's a lot I think of truth that goes in, into understanding all of that um, but we want to ask the question why does why does God's forgiveness require me to be an agent of forgiveness. Why? Why is it when when I see how God's forgiven me, Jesus then ties that intricately to my forgiving of somebody else? I mean, look right there in verse twelve. And that little word right there, as right, and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That word as is is used as a comparison. It's 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 used as the idea of like in the same way in which God forgive us of our sins, in the same way in which we have forgiven other people and it's even expected right in the same way that we have forgiven not that we will forgive but but as we have forgiven others it's this idea that i think jesus is expecting his followers his disciples to be people who forgive right and i think the reason i think the reason that he expects them to forgive is because i don't know that we can truly stare in the face of our loving Father who has forgiven us so much and yet not be willing to extend that forgiveness to somebody else. Right? But like I said, I know this is hard. And I think this is one of those, I think this is one of those places, right? That it's hard, but also I know that the best forgivers are forgiven people. People who should be the best at forgiving others 
should be those that have experienced the forgiveness of God. But it's still hard. It's still a challenge. And the problem, I don't think, is theological. I think from a theological standpoint, we can understand that because God is rich in mercy and forgave us of our sins, we should forgive other people. The problem for us is in the practical application of that. How do I get past my pride and my arrogance and all that's inside of me that makes me feel entitled to hold on to something and let that go because of what God has so mercifully done for us? Reminds me of the story, the illustration that Jesus uses in in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 4, where he talks about we're so quick to look at the speck in our brother's eye, but yet not see the log in our eyes, right? We're so quick to accept the forgiveness of God and say we need the forgiveness of God, but yet we're so slow to ask God for that forgiveness in return. Like I said a few moments ago, I I think Jesus knew this was going to be a struggle for us and this is going to be hard for us. So he explains it. After he gives us the model in verse 14, he goes on and gives a further explanation. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't know about you, but that's one of those heavy, heavy scriptures. It's one of those that I think we all are wise to listen in to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that forgiveness comes for those that are willing to give forgiveness, to share that forgiveness. The, uh, the church father, Augustine, or Augustine, depending on how you want to say it, right? He called this a terrible pe- uh, petition. He said, because if we are asking for our sins to be forgiven in the same fashion, the same way that we do for others, realize what you're saying. Because if we're not willing to offer forgiveness, we're telling God not to offer forgiveness to us. Or as Charles Spurgeon said, he said, literally, if we don't offer forgiveness, we're signing our own death warrant. I think there's a lot of weight that comes with that, right? When we think about that. Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying in verses 14 and 15. If we're not willing to forgive, we're telling God not to forgive us. Because we're asking God, forgive us in the same way that we forgive other people. So we need to take this seriously. We need to seriously consider how we ask God to uh, forgive us and also how we ask or we receive and offer forgiveness from other people. You see, I, I think what we do, it reminds me of a story I, I heard um, about two guys. These are two, two older guys. They had been friends growing up. They were friends all through school, and, and they were good friends. Their names were... Uh, uh, Bill and Joe, and Bill and Joe, uh, no offense to anybody named Bill or Joe here, um, but, but Bill or Joe uh, had been friends for a long time, and, and somewhere in their, in their early adulthood, uh, they got into a disagreement, and, and something had, had kind of blocked their relationship, and they got mad at each other, and they didn't speak to each other for 50 years. They spent 50 of their, of their years of, of adulthood not talking to each other, angry, upset with each other. And one day, one day Joe got the news that Bill was, was about to die. He had got a diagnosis and, and things weren't looking well for him. And he only had a couple of, couple of weeks left to live. And so, so Joe goes and visits Bill and he talks to him and he says, you know what, we've, 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 we've done this for too long. We've, we've been at odds for too long. I don't want us to spend another day at odds. And so let's just forgive one another. I'm offering to give forgiveness 
over that thing. And let's live whatever time we have left. Let's live without without anger and, 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 and having this thing between us, right? As he walks out the door, Joe says, but if you get better, none of this counts, right? <laughs> and I think that's how we live our lives a lot of times is that, you know what, as long as, right, as long as it's for our benefit, we'll forgive, but yet, yet when it's hard for us, right, when it's just for the fact of forgiveness because of what God has forgiven us, we're not willing to do that. As, as D.L. Moody says, uh, a lot of times when we're not, when we offer forgiveness, but we don't forget, we simply bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle out for immediate use, right? Um, how often in our lives do we say, you know what, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to always keep that in the back of my mind in case I need that. But I don't think that's what God means when he says that we should forgive others the same way that we get forgiven, right? I mean, I mean, think about it for a minute. Do we want God to bring up all of that stuff that he said that he's forgiven us for? But yet, that's how we live practically so many times in our lives, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I'll forgive you. But I get in the heat of that moment, that conversation, that thing I said we'd never bring up again, and I just throw it right out there in that moment. Right? We use it as fuel in those arguments. And I said, submit to you, that's not truly forgiveness. So how do we experience forgiveness from God if we're not willing to extend that to someone else? And this reminds me of, of the story. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 18, actually tells a story about this that pictures this whole picture. And you guys are probably familiar with that. In Matthew 18, uh, 21 through 35, he tells a story about two servants, right? And these two servants, they work for a king, right? And both of the servants, right? And so, so both of the servants are talking one day, and, and one of the servants owes, uh, owes one of the other servants uh, money, Right? And then that servant owes the king a great debt, right? So one day the king calls the servant that owes him a great debt into, in, into his presence. And he says, I need you to pay for your debt that you've owed me. The Bible says that he owes, I think, 10,000 talents, which is a lot. It's a lot. Um, in fact, commentators tell us that 10,000 talents is really more than 10,000 people could pay in a lifetime of working. It's that much, right? That's the picture. It's, it's, it's an amount of money that he can never pay back. And so the king says, if you can't pay it back, you're going to throw you in jail. And the servant falls on his face, right? He begs for the mercy of the king. Forgive me, right? Can you please forgive this debt? And the king, in his graciousness, right, says that your, your debt is forgiven. So the Bible then says, Jesus says in that story that immediately that servant goes out and he finds the, the other servant that owed him a small amount, right? A very small amount. And he says, that, you need to give me what you owed me. Now, the servant said, please, can I just have more time? I don't have it. Jesus in his story said he begins to choke the man. Throws him in jail, right? The story goes on. Jesus says that the king hears about this, right? He takes the wicked servant kicks him out of the kingdom. And it's a picture, right, of all of those that would say that they're followers of Jesus, but yet we're not willing to offer forgiveness. You see, I also know that you'll never be more like Jesus than when you forgive those who have sinned against you. Think about that moment on the cross. This is in Matthew 23, 34, right, where Jesus is looking down from the cross, what is the first thing he says? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
in the midst of us actively sinning and hating Jesus, he gave forgiveness to us. So are we willing to extend that forgiveness to somebody else? Somebody mentioned Corey Ten Boom earlier, uh, and I found a quote from her this week that I feel like is, is just, it's, it's become my desktop for the week because um, I love it so much. She says, uh, you never so touch the ocean of God's love as when you forgive and love your enemies. We will never experience the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus more deeply than when we're willing to forgive those that have done wrong to us. And I think that's the point. I think that's the point, is that forgiven people should be the best forgivers of other people. And so in that, in that, same, uh, that same guy, Ray Pritchard, that I had give you, given you guys a list earlier uh, of ten things uh, for, that will happen when we don't forgive, he also had a list of ten things or ten guidelines to help us in our pursuit of forgiving other people. And these are real practical things, uh, and a lot of them have, have scriptural support with them as well. Um, but I think these are really important. I just want us to kind of just walk through those real quickly. Um, number one is uh, face what they did and forgive them anyway. Right? And sometimes at a point, we just have to realize that we need to just acknowledge what they did and say, you know what, yes, they, they wronged us, but yet I'm still going to forgive them. Uh, number two is don't keep bringing it up to them. And if I could just say that like ten times, um, I, feel like, I feel like this is probably what we do so many times. Oh, yeah, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to let you forget about it. Right? But truly, if we're wanting to offer forgiveness, it's that we forgive them and we let it go. Number three, don't talk about it to others, right? Don't take your frustration and your anger and allow it to, to, to lead to gossip to others. But when you forgive someone, let it go. Truly between you and your Heavenly Father. Number four, show mercy instead of judgment. The same way that, that God said it shows mercy, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy same way we have the opportunity to show mercy when people have wronged us number five refuse to speak evil of others man think about how much better just our church would be think how much better our world would be if we just took that to heart we just stopped speaking evil of others even if they did something wrong about us number six is a big one choose not to dwell on it right don't let it consume everything in your life choose not to dwell on it Number seven, pray for them, right? Truly, go to the Father on their behalf. Number eight, ask God to bless them. Ask God to bless them. Number nine, do not rejoice at their calamities. Don't be scrolling Facebook or Instagram or whatever, just waiting to hear something awful that happened to the person and somehow making that feel, make you feel better about the anger and bitterness that you're still holding on to. Number 10, help them when you can. And again, this isn't an infallible list of things, but I think this is, gives us a good practical list of a few things to do if we truly want to be agents of God's forgiveness. So what's the result of all of this, right? What's the result of all of this? I think when we come and we truly embrace what Jesus has said here in this verse, God, forgive us of our debts, in the same way that we're also going to forgive those that sin and have a debt against us. 
I think two things happen. One, we receive forgiveness, which is what we talked about, right? We receive forgiveness from God in that way. But number two, I think we also receive freedom, right? We receive freedom because the truth of the matter, one of the things that, that was on that earlier list was that when we hold on to anger and unforgiveness toward people, it enslaves us. It enslaves us. And so when we're able to forgive, there's a freedom that we experience that we wouldn't have if we're not willing to forgive. Or to put it another way, when we forgive, we are forgiven. When we are forgiven, we get freedom. You see, we'll never fully enter into the freedom of Christ until we learn the freedom of forgiveness. Never truly going to experience, yes, we're, we're going to be going to heaven We're going to be Jesus' children, and we're going to be with him, but we're never going to truly experience the fullness of the freedom of Christ if we're not willing to forgive those that offend us. I think that's what Jesus wants, and I think he wants us to be reminded. That's why he puts this in the model prayer. He wants us to think about that every time when we go to prayer, that we think about, is there someone in my life that I haven't offered forgiveness to? Right? Not because Jesus wants us just to continually suffer and, and deal with those emotions, but he wants us to, to, to live a life of freedom. And he wants us to have the freedom that comes along with forgiving other people. I want to close with this, and we're going to take a few, minutes, uh, a few more minutes for discussion. I heard a story about uh, what, what, what is called the forgiveness flower. And it's this little blue flower that grows, I think it's in South America somewhere, they were saying. And um, the peculiar thing about the, the, freedom, or the forgiveness flower um, is that you only smell the aroma when the flower is crushed. Right? And so as people are traveling along, they see this beautiful blue flower, but it's only when it's been trampled and crushed that you smell the true sweetness and the beauty of the flower. And I think forgiveness is the same way. Sometimes we only experience the beauty of the freedom and the forgiveness in our lives when sometimes we get trampled by other people, right? When we sometimes endure the heartache and the hurt with people hurting us and then us offering forgiveness to them. I think sometimes that's how we can have the beautiful aroma of Christ in our lives. It's when we get trampled underfoot, when we live the same way that Christ lived his life. And so a simple question for us in application today to think about is, do you want forgiveness? Do you want forgiveness, and do you want to forgive? I think those are, those are important questions for us to ask this week and as we think about prayer. I think it's important for us to ask that. Do we really want to forgive? Because I know it's really easy sometimes for us to get in these church circles and to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I should offer forgiveness, and I should be a forgiving person. But at your core, in the heart of your heart, right, do you really want to forgive people? And if you do, are there people in your life that need forgiveness? Are there people in your life that you need forgiveness? So here's what I want to do with, with the rest of our time. Okay? I want to take a couple minutes. And I want you guys to get your journals out if you have them. If you forgot them, maybe you can take a little note in your phone or something so you get back to your journal. But I want you to start out a journal entry just by saying, do I want to forgive? And I want you just to kind of flow from there and just just continue that thought out. Do I truly want to forgive in my life? When you feel like you've been able to to kind of jot that down and get your thoughts out on that, then I want you to take some time and just pray. Just you and your Father. 
just asking God to help you, whatever that situation is. If there's specific names, I would encourage you to write down specific names of people that you need to offer forgiveness to. If there's specific situations, if there's certain hurts that are happening in your life, or maybe there's just something between you and your father. Maybe, maybe you have done something to offend your heavenly father. And so maybe you just need to spend that time asking for his forgiveness. But I want to give us some time. I want to give us, I want to give us some time to be able to do that. But then finally, and most importantly, I don't want us just to be people that, that, that write things down and say things, but I want us to actually do what we've talked about. And so the challenge is this week, if there's a person, right, if there's, if there's flesh and blood that, that you have been unwilling to offer forgiveness to, right, this week, this week the challenge is for you to go and to do that. And I just want to let you know, like, as your pastor, as your shepherd, as your leader, like, I know that this is hard. This is, this is not easy. Um, I think in preparation for this, um, God was working in my life in this um, probably two months ago. Um, I, was, I was reading one of my devotions in the morning, and it was talking about forgiveness and if there's people that we haven't offered forgiveness to. Um, and I just couldn't get lifted. There was, there was a situation in my life that was very hurtful, someone that had, had hurt me, and... By, by, by all intents and purposes, they were completely wrong in what they did. But at the same time, they had, I don't know, year a year ago, asked for forgiveness. And I kind of gave them one of those kind of half-hearted forgiveness, like, yeah, I guess it's okay. But, there was, but then there was also a lot of distance between me and that person. And I remember that morning I was, I was sitting, and I believe I was sitting in my office in my chair, and I was, as I was reading that, and God just kind of hit me to the quick of like, no, you need to actually offer forgiveness and apologize for, for your bitterness. And I remember, like, contacting that person and walking through that, and that was probably one of the harder things that I've done this year. And so when I say, I know this is hard, but at the same time, I also know that the freedom of that burden that was lifted off my shoulders by doing that was incredible. And so I just want to, as, as, your, as your pastor, as your shepherd, I just want to encourage you, if there are people in your life like, let's not be people of bitterness. Let's not be a church family of, of holding on to grudges. If there's people that have offended you and need forgiveness, let's offer that forgiveness to them. Okay? So, so let's do this. Let's take about five minutes. And let's go through that. Let's, let's start with our journal. Let's, let's just honestly reflect on our lives. Let's spend some time in prayer if you need to, following up on that. And then you know the challenge for this week. Okay? So we're take about five minutes. We'll do that. And then when we sing the last song, Okay, we sing the last song. Um, before we started this series, we wrote down a list of people that we wanted to pray for. And these are people who don't know the Lord. And I don't know, maybe there's even names that are written on this list that we wrote that maybe there's even forgiveness that needs to happen. I don't know. I don't know these stories. I don't even know most of these names. But as we sing our last song together, How Deep the Father's Love, I remembered it this week. I got the right song. How Deep the Father's Love, right? As we think about how deep the Father's love for us is, Let's also pray that that deep love would, would come through to these people. So I just want to kind of preface that. Because when our time is up, Ross and Holly, I'm just going to say when our five minutes is up, you guys just come on and start leading us in that song. Um, but during, as we're singing that last song together, I want us to also be praying over these names of these people. Um, and just ask that God would, would come and meet them and show them his incredible love and forgiveness that he has for them. Okay, so we're going to take five minutes and then we will uh, we'll wrap up with that last song.